I'm just wanting to check in and um, just hear from individuals who'd like to share how the morning practice was of listening and speaking in that way and what your experience was of holding gratitude and you know the contemplation of the joy of what it is to be alive in the earth with your partner as well as over the mealtime. So any, any reflections from the morning session? Mm-hmm. I mean, how many people found it like very different from normal patterns of communication? You know? And yet, did you see the value of at least having that as a foundation from which normal communication can take place? Did that, did you, did that happen for you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for you, there was a connection between the loving-kindness meditation before and the insight dialogue. Yeah. yeah. So what you're bringing up is really important and a, a very important segue to the next section, what I wanted to do this afternoon. But before diving into that, I wanted to just give more uh, opportunities for any more comments about this morning section because what you're pointing at is something which is really important. Really important. Yeah. And you know, what I think what you're pointing out is, is, is that you know when we're not just doing this as a solitary experience, then we resonate with the things that are voiced by our partners. And sometimes they can voice things that we didn't even actually articulate or know we were feeling, you know? And, you know, I didn't say before, but, you know, what, one of the common things that happens in insight dialogue is, is that we fall in love with our partner. And, and because there's something about just this tenderness of not having agendas or being defended or having to control or manipulate the other person that allows a kind of intimacy that normally we associate with what happens when we fall in love. So it's common that you fall in love with your partner. And if you're on an insight dialogue retreat long enough and you change partners so that you've fallen in love with 30 people, then you sort of get to know, well, that's just what happens with insight dialogue. you know. And so it, it, that too is not something that's terribly... It, it's not erotic, and there isn't really anything that you need to do about it. It's just one of the things that you can notice that there's a particular kind of intimacy that comes from sharing where you're not defended, you're not controlling, you're not trying to do anything, but in not trying, you're actually much more present. He says that sometimes because you've got two people whose intentions are on a similar wavelength, access to that is a lot quicker surprising. But it's almost as if the sum of the two is greater than the individual parts. And dropping in to that kind of sweet space where it's alive and vital and real and connected and not defended. It's not based in a solid sense of me in time and place. Then um, is more accessible. And with that, the insights that come from being dropped in, you know, the stuff that can come because it's being held in a, in a field that is enriched by another person's presence, attention, awareness, and 
heartfulness. You know, beautiful. So I want to segue uh, and reconnect up with what Savannah was saying earlier about um, grief and then our responses to grief. And, um, you know, we have various different kinds of cultural expectations about what's okay to talk about, what's not okay to talk about. And, um, you know, a lot of the times it's this, this, the bar is set at just like, you know, a millimeter of, of, of depth, you know. Anything beneath a millimeter of depth is, depth is like out of range. It's too, too something. And so, and that's true with joy uh, as well as sorrow, you know. That's true with pain as well as profound insight. You know, I've certainly shared with people, you know, deep heart openings, and you can see them like squirming in their skin, like I've just said something terrible. But what I've just shared was something that was real. And, you know, real is terrible, <laughs> according to our cultural standards. It's like there's not much acceptance or tolerance or capacity for what is real, you know. And, and yet, if we understand how to sit in that ourselves and just be there, it can invite others in, and they can taste it and actually grow to appreciate the aliveness from real rather than the terror of real. But certainly, you know, I, I can't speak for other people, but I know for myself, you know, I live in Colorado, and in the last two years, you know, we've had two fires and a lot of floods. And, you know, the fire, not last summer, but the summer before that, it was the worst fire that had ever been in the history of Colorado. And the next summer, there was one that even was even worse, okay? And both of them were there in, you know, one was within a few miles from me, and the other was with like 15 miles from me, so they're very close. And then floods. But just the impact of, I don't read newspaper and watch television, but I, I get it in other ways, you know, the sense of what's happening in our world and the grief, you know, sometimes the grief is, is just incredible. But culturally, that's not something that we're allowed to voice. We're not something we're allowed to express. We're supposed to be happy and positive and on top of the world, you know, and have a positive outlook about everything. And so to touch into that requires, again, safety and permission that that, that is allowed, that it's allowed to feel, it's allowed to know, it's allowed to be named. And so sometimes what can happen is, is that when we're, we're cutting across different expectations, like a feeling like that can well up. But there isn't permission, either in the group or in oneself, to move into that territory. Then secondary strategies take over. And the secondary strategy is to just, if I can't be present with what is, I'll just go to sleep. So sometimes the sleepiness is not sleepiness because we're sleepy. It's sleepiness because it's a strategy to deal with something that's coming up that we don't have yet a safe enough container or permission to hold or a body that is resourced enough to feel or a community where we can give voice to what's going on. 
And so the going to sleep is uh, another mechanism of how can I deal with something that's quite big and doesn't have space to be named. And so sometimes what can happen when we turn that on its head is deliberately create safe space to speak about what is, is this is that rather than feeling sleepy, we can feel tremendously energized, even though what we're dealing with is phenomenally difficult, you know, excruciatingly painful. And I know, you know, in some of the dynamics that I've dealt with in the nuns community and some of the conflagrations that can happen in living with people, you know, that complexity that is beyond imagination, when we created the safety to actually name it, rather than feeling exhausted and burnt out and fried, just feel incredibly clear and very engaged and energized, you know. So in a space like this where we're starting to open up, you know, what does it feel like to be alive on the earth? One part of the equation is the joy and the gratitude. And another is the grief, and this fear, and the concern. And, you know, what do we do with that? You know, where do we go with that? Where do we speak about that? Who do we share that with? And how do we share it in a way that feels okay? Yeah. So this next insight dialogue will be on that theme. So again, what I'd like you to do is pick a different partner and again, somebody who's not a domestic partner. And chair people speak to chair people, and floor people speak to floor people. And spread out in the space so that you can take up as much room here as you want. And we'll set up uh, inside dialogue. Okay. And so if you want to exchange names, please feel welcome to do so. And I see people navigating the sun, which I'm glad about, because it feels like it's starting to get strong. So that's good, yeah. And so now we're going to have a, a slightly different way of choosing whose goes first. The, the person whose ears are closest to the earth. And if you need a trigonometry lesson, we can maybe just figure it out, guess. <laughs> So did you get it figured out whose ears are closer to the earth? Yeah? Okay. So that's the, f yes, the picture of the earth on the shrine. That's right. That's right. There's a picture of earth on the shrine. What's that? So um, for this contemplation, um, what I'd like, what I'd like you to do, the person speaking first, is I'd like you to just allow yourself to open to the experience of grief and concern that you have for what's going on on the earth right now. So name it. And if in naming it, tears come, allow them. You don't need to hold them back. We might need to have some tissues, but you don't need to hold them back, okay? Yeah. And the person listening, you know, I want you to move the listening through different parts. So you can listen with your body, 
You can listen to the sound and the music of how they're speaking. You can listen to the emotion. Okay? And notice as you dial into these different ways of listening, listening with your body, listening to the music and the cadence and the rhythm of how they're speaking, listening to the emotion, notice the impact that it has on you. Okay? So pause, we're going to continue with pause. Continue with the instruction of cutting across habits. And so if you notice that there's an upwelling of emotion and your habit with emotion is to choke, to pull back, or to try and push through it, then just pause and come back into your body and feel yourself being grounded as a way of giving space for allowing the emotion to arise and be spoken. Again, if you're listening and you see emotion or see the the visible expression of emotion and your interest is to comfort, to make it okay, to reassure, to fix, pause. Just notice that that's what you're wanting to do and close your eyes, come back into your own body sense, reestablish presence in body awareness, and then begin listening with your body, begin listening to the music or the cadence or the rhythm, begin listening to the kinds of emotion that you're hearing. Are there any instructions? So, you know, in our world today with the kinds of things that we hear and the kinds of things that we've experienced, you've all gone through a brutal winter before winter. You, Sandy came through and ravished. You were out of power. You know, what are your concerns? What is the grief that you feel as you're present on this earth with things as you are experiencing them? Okay. So let's start with eyes closed and a couple minutes of dropped in. Of just feeling what there is to feel. Allowing the feelings to be, allowing the images to be. Starting first with just feeling our own body. Knowing we're sitting across from another person, living and breathing person. And noticing, you know, we're, we're taking this to another depth. And this depth of talking about concerns or fears or grief is often a, a depth that is, there isn't usually space for in, in our conventional world. And so there might be apprehension or anticipation or anxiety to enter into unknown territory with someone. And if that is what is true, you can just allow that in awareness and know how you're feeling that in your body. Being dropped in, being connected to our own body sense, felt sense, our breath, our own connection with our feet on the earth, 
stabilizes our capacity to be present with what is arising in ourself, in our partner, and in the world. And just like we experienced this morning, it's not for us by ourselves to bring forward kindness and compassion, but we can allow the kindness and compassion we have received through us to meet what is arising. Listening, pausing, open. And so when you hear the sound of the bell, the first person speaking, opening up to fears and concerns and grief about what is happening in the world right now, you have five minutes to share. I think that's a really good point, which is, is that, you know, I think one of the reasons why, you know, we go into overwhelm is because we, we think that we are asked to fathom the problem, feel the feelings, and find the solutions all in one breath. And not possible. You know, absolutely not possible. So to kind of break it up and begin to give time for different parts of this process and recognizing it's a process means that we can summon our energy and our creativity for each part of the process and fully be there for it. So whenever we're starting to think that we have to fathom the problem, feel the feeling connected to it and find the solution all at the same time, that can be a flag that we've fallen into some kind of a wrong view with some kind of a impossible expectation that we think that if we can do what's impossible, it's going to be okay. And the only way that I know we're going to make any possible movement is if we do what's possible in each moment, which is to show up for what's going on right now. And through that, my experience is, is, is that things happen and open up and we are revealed the next step. So what we have to do is we need to watch out for the wrong view that kind of co-ops this and then turns something which could be possible into something which is utterly impossible. Anything else anyone would like to share? Yes. As I'm sitting here, what, what's bubbling up for me is. Um... So, who was here when Tanisra and Andrew Harvey gave that talk? How many of you were here for that? One, two, three, yeah. And the, I listened to a recording of it. 
I hadn't I hadn't heard Andrew Harvey in full 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 um, full glory before, but he was in full glory, and he was talking about um, you know that we should be enraged, you know, and not just sit quietly and watch the planet incinerate and you know be peaceful and quiet and sitting mindfully on our cushions and so he was in, in inciting eliciting inviting evoking cajoling people to get agitated and worked up about it but i think what he was trying to do was to connect the force of wrath with the protective force not the force of destruction Okay, and so when we have the feelings of rage come up, it's not sorted out. They are coming together. And, you know, as Buddhist practitioners, we have heard from the very beginning that anger is a poison. But one of the things that that does not tell us is just that anger is also a force of protection. And when we can distill the force of wrath from the intention to want to harm and use the force of wrath as a force of protection, then we can utilize this energy in a way which is actually for good. One of the ways of doing that is by focusing on the question, what is being hurt? what needs are not being met. When I focus on what is being hurt, it helps me focus on what needs protection rather than what needs retaliation. And when I can focus on what needs protection, I can often find a way of expressing that that supports getting those needs met better. I've gone into explaining, and that's not probably what we need right now, but I was just wanting to, I heard it, and I heard in myself, when I have that, this is what I do with it. But before we try and sort out all the everything, so let's hear more from people about what came up. What came up? Yes. So this is part of the reason why I both wanted to do this and was terrified. You know, I've, I, I, this, is, this last week is the first time ever I have brought this concept and meditation together and trying to workshop it. Because most of the time on meditation, meditation is about going inward and knocking, talking about anything political and trying to keep the topic so that our attention can actually settle in and work with what we have available to us and not evoke stuff that's outside of our control. And yet the reality is, is, is that the luxury of doing that and keeping it ref, ref, contained and to that is rapidly passing, you know? And so I feel also the sense of where we're at and trying to find a way where we can touch in and begin without getting flooded with overwhelm and then find little places where we can move forward. So my intuition has been informed by 
both the power of understanding what happens when we're doing insight dialogue, the fact that we have more than just the, the, our own individual attention to bring into the sphere, and also a collective, the fact that there are a lot of people in this room who have similar fears and concerns and experiences of overwhelm and not knowing what to do and feeling flattened and fried by the magnitude of what we're dealing with. So when it's held in a hmm, I want to say suitable container that gives a framework for moving through the layers where we're not getting burnt out and fried and, and wiped out at each layer, we can touch each layer and move on to the next layer. My concern about today was is that I didn't know that we were going to have enough time to open it up and then touch it in a way where we were not just left our nervous system f f f vibrating, where we could direct it into something that was actually useful. So I was willing to try, but I don't have it all worked out yet. Yeah. So what I'd like to suggest, again, just to see how we go, is for us to break up into small groups now of four or five and see if we can transition from where we started, which was gratitude and then moving into grief and concern, into the next stage, which is envisioning a world and this is kind of like creative imagination. This is a little bit like storytelling, you know, where we actually get to just, like when we did when we were three, you know, we were playing house and we could imagine a whole world. Well, we get to do that now as adults. Imagine a world that we want to live in and see what happens if we just bring a kind of creative juice into this space without... Um, censoring it by having to have the answers at the moment about how to make any of this stuff happen. Yeah? And so just as, as an exploration to see what that might do to, the, to, the, to this, um, the hugeness of what we've touched into and opened up. Okay? So I suggest we, we move into small groups of four or five and um, just when you get there, introduce yourselves to each other and then just pause. Okay, so if you know, if you know each other's names, and, and, and if you're, it might be easier if you've, if you've got everyone at the same level, which is you're just organizing. Yeah, good. And you've got five in this group, and there's three in that group. Would one of you like to go over there? Would, would, one, would one of you in this group, this group here, would one of you like to go join the th number three over there? There you go. So now, again, we're moving into increasing layers of complexity. So we started with ourself, we went into dyads, now we're in quads and, and whatever you called five. Quince. Quince. 
quads and quints? <laughs> Pods. And so, again, in this level of complexity, it is more challenging to stay in your body because the, the dynamic has its own momentum and it tends to pull people out of center of gravity, okay? So the fundamental rule or the fundamental instruction, not rule, but instruction is pause which means that at any point, if any of you are feeling pulled out, out of center of gravity, you're not paying attention or even feeling your body, then drop in, close your eyes, not listen to what the conversation is, and see if you can sense your own body sense. And then when you have body sense as a basis, then open your eyes and begin again listening or speaking. This is a dialogue. This is not organized in terms of first, second, and third speaker. And this is envisioning. And so in envisioning, each of you can listen and speak in a way that feels correct and respectful to what's happening in the group. Of just snippets of ideas, of, uh, of a place, of a life, of a world you would love to be part of. This is not about strategy of how to make it happen. This is brainstorming. This is envisioning. This is creativity. This is pure fantasy land. There doesn't need to be anything cognitively in line and accurate about this next exercise. You can just envision what it might look like, what it, what it might be. And everyone's job is to receive what has been said it's not anybody's job to judge or organize or censor or make it so that it's going to work, but just to listen to what is being said. And you might inspire each other. You might have all kinds of things inside of you. It might be easier to listen for a while, and then you start with your own bubbles. You'll have to just tune in to what feels right. Okay? Are there any instructions or any questions about this phase of what we're doing here? No? Okay. So I'd like to give each group about 12 minutes to envision a world that you'd like to live in. Okay, so yes, I'll ring the bell, uh, I'll ring the bell at six minutes to give you a sense of t- half time. Or maybe I'll ring the bell every three minutes so that you have a sense of every four minutes. Okay. I'll ring the bell three times for time for time checks. Let me. Let me. I got to get my widget to go. Hold on a second. Let me see what I've got here. Hang on a second. Hang on. Just hang on. Just hang on. Okay, go ahead.
So just taking a moment and acknowledging everyone in your group, their creativity, their visioning, their imagining, and come back into a circle, a big circle. And so I'm, I'm tempted to invite if somebody would like to be a community scribe and just to write down the various kinds of things that came up in each groups, would you? Yeah? Okay, great. And just, uh, just sharing things that uh, came up in your groups, what were the kinds of things that you were envisioning? Okay, so now, okay, we've had, we've shared ideas, we've involved in our little fantasy land. Now take a register of how are you feeling. How heavy, how light, how depressed, how asleep, how much do you want to run out of the room, how much do you want to scream, how much do you want to disappear? How are you feeling? Yes, and it was my intention that the last hour is going to be more meditation, so we're going to end the conversation soon and go back into meditation. So hopefully your needs will be met. Yeah. 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 If you're trying to do all those together, Fathom the problem, f feel the impact, and find a solution. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. S can we just see how some of the others are doing before we transition into meditation? Yeah. Yeah. Light and happy. Anybody else like to share how you're doing? I mean, you can be feeling terrible. You can be feeling suicidally depressed. You're welcome to say that if that's what's happening. It doesn't have to all be bubbles and happy and joyful. But just to see, you know, the kind of range of where people are at. Yeah? Yes, yes, yes. So let's hear from a couple more people, and then I want to wrap this up and then move on to meditation. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that's precisely part of why this is so useful. Because in our adult minds, we forget that the imagination is something that we can access. And we think that we have to do everything logically and rationally and reasonably and systematically and all of that. 
and we forget that you know when we start with just the power of imagination that can give a tremendous amount of juice and vitality and then we can bring back all of our skills and discernment and and clarity to then begin to look through some of our lists and see what we came up with and if there's interest in maybe forming a group with you know, uh, cups or cats or, uh, <laughs> or the turtle group. I love the turtle group. <laughs> but the point is, is, is that where we focus our attention has a huge impact on what we experience. And we think about this and we feel like I too have felt totally overwhelmed because I was trying to figure out all of it all in, at the same time. But if we break it into segments and then have some space with each segment, then it doesn't feel necessarily so daunting. Yeah? So I just want to point this book out. Do you know this book? You should know this book. This should be a, really bo a book that you should all know. It's called Active Hope, How to Face the Mess We're In Without Going Crazy. It's written by Joanna Macy and Chris Johnstone. And it is fabulous. It's a fabulous book. I highly recommend you get this book, and I highly recommend that those of you who are interested to continue this conversation, workshop it. You meet regularly, and you go through the kinds of things that they have in here, because there's a lot in here. We only just scratch the surface of touching a small amount of what we're dealing with, but enough to get a flavor that there's many different layers of, of, of what we can drop into in terms of the joy and the gratitude for being alive and the fear and the overwhelm and the, the kind of like business as usual, why we can just, people are just going ahead thinking that if we just buy more and sell more stuff, that's going to solve the problems of the world. You know, and then how to begin to start working with consolidating our fantasy lists into constructive um, projects that communities can engage in. Because where an energy system goes um, septic is when all of the energy gets activated and it isn't directed anywhere. Then it gets, it doesn't, it, it doesn't know what to do. And the system starts to um, shut down. So, to workshop this so that we're not shutting down means that we need to find the skill to meet the different kinds of things that come up. And when we move from creativity, then the next step is to move into engagement. How do you take interest and concern and galvanize it into specific action that you can do with others? Because the other magic is recognizing that we're not in this alone. You know, we are so not in this alone. Every living being is in this together, you know. We're in this together. And whether the living beings have capacity to articulate it or not, we're in this together. The impact is going to be across all of us, you know. So I highly recommend this as a resource, as a guide, as a friend, as a Bible. It's great. And Joanna, I love her writing. I love the way she frames things. And I hadn't met Chris before, but he's also brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay? 
The name is Active Hope by Joanna Macy and Chris Johnstone, and the subtitle is How to Face the Mess We're in Without Going Crazy. And it's directly about how to deal with climate change and the, pro the global problems that we're dealing with right now in a way where our energies are mobilized and we are genuinely touching what's there, but not freezing or solidifying in one particular layer of it. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you. No, I'm fine. Thank you. I've got... So what I'd like to suggest is, is that we take a 5-10 minute bio break, come back for a few minutes of Qigong, and have meditation to, to wind up. Okay? As people are gathering, we can do some um, movements to open up joints, open up ankles. So circling the ankles. And the other direction of the ankles. And then knees. moving the feet uh, so that they're more than shoulders width apart and opening up the f spreading the toes softening the ankles allowing the knees to be over the feet tucking under the sacrum the sitting bones elongating the spine rolling the shoulders back allowing the elbows to be pointing down and the fingers to come up to a collarbone height keeping the feet planted and then rotating on the hips, rotating on the, the pelvis, and then rotating the shoulders, pointing the hands, fingers up, exhaling, and then coming back and around. And moving through the other side. Separating hands and reaching up to the heavens and down to the earth and mixing them in the center part and pushing through. 
Again, keeping the feet so that they are more than hips width apart. Allowing the ankles to soften, the knees to turn out, opening the pelvic floor, tucking in the sacrum, the sitting bones under, elongating the spine, rolling the shoulders back. And now gathering in the chi and the life force from the city, from the earth, from the trees, from the flowers, from the animals, from the water. Gathering in the center part of our dantian and then opening our eyes, blaring, opening our mouth like we've got fangs dripping with blood and releasing a hissing noise. So we're releasing stagnant anger, frozen fear, frozen grief. We're just letting all of this stuff become centralized, centralized and then release. Not at anyone in the space between everyone, just letting it out. And gently swinging the arms and letting them hit the hips. And as they hit the hips, then they start to move up. They hit higher parts of the body, the shoulders and the middle of the back. tender heart that feels so much in our heart, in our body, standing on the ground, in the sky. Coming back into sitting posture, chairs or cushions as you are comfortable.
just taking a moment to check your posture, check how you're seated on the chair, check where your pelvis is in relationship to your spine, if they've got enough height underneath your hips. And just noticing your breath, if it's still calming down. Full in and out breath. And as we're breathing in and out, just take another moment of imagination and allowing the breath to become like a stream of bubbles or a ribbon. And as we breathe in, it comes through our lungs and our heart and the bubbles go out, out into the world. We breathe in and the bubbles and the ribbon touches our heart and goes out into the world. It comes into this room first. There are plants in this room and they too have a respiration. So they take in what we breathe out and they release what we breathe in. And there's a mixture with the water. There's a relationship between oxygen and CO2 and the water. And so the bubbles then the streams that come through our heart get absorbed into the waters, into the oceans, into the rivers. Circulate through the fish and the seaweed and the marine animal, animals and plants. It releases and all these trees that are blossoming, the cherry trees, the plum trees, the, uh, I don't know what other kind of trees. They also have a respiration taking in what we breathe out. And when they come into leaf, they will release oxygen back into the air. So the stream of bubbles, the stream of ribbons that comes through our lungs, through our heart, into this room, into the world. Into every person in this room. Our joy and our sorrow our fear and our concern. We have shared, others have heard, 
and received and listened. They have shared. We have heard and listened and received. They breathe out and we breathe in. We breathe out and they breathe in. Every living being has a respiration. Our breathing connects us into the web of life, gives us a place in the web of life. Feeling the fullness of our own body, breathing in and out. Feeling our breath invigorate, enliven on the in-breath, release and allow letting go on the out-breath. The soil scientists know about the cycle of respiration and release and absorption of nutrients in the soil. So what we can often think of as inert appears to be otherwise when we look more closely, bring interest and care and attention. So our breath that circulates through our lungs and goes through our heart, also absorbs into the earth. The microorganisms that are in the earth that deal with the breakdown of nutrients, recycling, of elements in the earth. When we feel our body as we breathe in and breathe out, 
And we feel the earth underneath us as we stand and as we walk and as we sit. As we attune to the air that comes in and goes out, we feel ourselves embedded in a web of life. When we bring care and attention to breathing, our breath is suffused with the qualities of heartfulness, mindfulness, love. When we bring care and attention to our body, our body becomes an anchor to the earth, a way of touching the earth. When we allow kindness and compassion in, it touches our body, it touches the earth. When we are touched, we breathe it out in our breath. We release it into the earth with our footsteps. It becomes part of our tears of joy as well as sadness. We have the resources to meet what arises. when we know we're not alone. We don't have to find it all within ourselves. We can rely on the breath. We can rely on the earth. We can rely on our practice. We can rely on each other. We allow love in, we let love in. That becomes part of our breath, our footsteps, our body, 
and our connection with the earth, with the trees, with the animals. with each other. It's not that we have to do anything Breathing isn't a doing of something. It's an allowing of what is. And so just allowing our breath to weave through each other, connect us with the life that's in this room, with the life that's outside, with the water and the trees and the ground, the sky. Knowing that by breathing, we are part of the web of life. And when we bring together mindfulness, loving kindness, and compassion into our breathing, our walking, our standing, our speaking, 
our engagement in the world. that opens a window of intimacy with ourself, with each other, and with all of life. A window where we are opening to the joy, to the sorrow, and to the possibility of moving forward in a way that supports life for all beings, protects life for all beings, respects life for all beings. So because today was a rather different kind of day-long meditation and um, we covered quite a lot of territory together, I thought maybe it might be um, helpful just to open up the circle again for closing comments or feedback or sense of how it has been for you. just, um, you know, point out that something quite obvious, really, which is is that 
in our in our own in our own thoughts and our own feelings in our own way of framing things what we're going to come up with is oftentimes limited by what we know and yet when we can do things with each other in a safe enough space we can be encouraged or supported or inspired by each other and um I, uh, I've been really impressed with the 350.org organization and the work that they've been doing and have recently joined a, a coalition of Dharma teachers and have been touched by what we have been doing and feel that when people get together to figure out what's needed, um, first of all, we're creating a container that is bigger than my own individual capacity and within that we can share the joys and as well as the experiences of challenge and difficulty and sadness and overwhelm in a in a way that hopefully is conducive for not only each member of the group but what the group is hoping to make happen so i would encourage you to look at um you know, what feels like another movement forward for you, whether it feels good to have a, a, a group within New York Insight or to collaborate with existing groups in New York that are engaged in this stuff, to be in to start weaving together themes that bring a spiritual focus as well as a heartful response to climate change. If that feels like a, a good way forward or... You know, if anything on this list, or the fact that there was energy to make, envision something, creates a context where there's an interest to have a subgroup to meet and to brainstorm maybe a couple of things that you would want to move forward with as projects. Because I, I know for myself that when I'm engaged, um, certainly I spend a lot of time in silence and in meditation and contemplation that's bedrock in my life the practice is bedrock it's, 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 it's a, an extremely important part of my life but I also can see that when I can take what I understand and, and, and create context where others can share and be enriched by it and I can move some of these things that I feel very powerfully about into um, action that's a whole other level of, of, of um, what happens with my own energy sphere and when I have a, a, a balance between silence and stillness and deep inner knowing and connection and communication and engagement it feels like the wheels are lubricated in the right way I need silence. I need it. I need it for restoration. I need it for renewal. I need it. So I don't want to throw that out. And, and yet, if I'm only silent and I'm not communicating or creating opportunities for people to um, have their own insight and understanding, it feels like uh, there's a whole big, huge part that's missing. And so for me, where I am right now, it's wonderful to be able to mix these two things. And so I feel delighted that you were willing to come. I don't know how many of you knew what you were getting yourself into. 
and incredibly grateful for New York Insight, for Dalila and Sabine and Gina for inviting me and being so welcoming, and for John and Savannah for being so phenomenally gracious and hosting me. Remarkable, lovely, wonderful time. But mostly I feel appreciative for each of you for your efforts to come and to participate and show up in you know, this kindly wild creature that's sitting up here and what she mischief she gets up to. Slightly, slightly wild creature. Just enough wild creature. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and that's the way it is with seeds, is is that we put them in the ground and we don't really know exactly what happens and how long it takes and even what they're going to look like when they come out. But that's that's what planting seeds is like. But that's why I was really happy that this all came together, because to have, you know, Good Friday and Easter Sunday and Earth Day and full moon with a lunar, with an eclipse and all of this happening right now and then to be able to kind of pull it together in a way where we're honoring the various components of stillness and awareness and 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 body and earth and our feelings around it i was i you know i'm always doing this i get into stuff i i feel no idea how it's going to work out or what it's going to look like or but there's this this deep sense i got to try it you know i've got to I got to put myself out there and see what happens. And if it's a mistake, I will. It's not a mistake. It's just an opportunity to learn. But I've got to try. So, my gratitude that you were willing to explore with me and be responsive and engage and um, move through the day in the way that we have. I think it's been a really powerful, powerful day. And I personally can't think of a better way to celebrate Earth Day. You know, to really um, drop in and touch what it feels like on these different levels. So, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, there's a sign-up sheet for uh, Awakening Truth, and that will give you information about retreats and stuff that I'm doing in a, in a larger area. Um, if you are planning on coming to Colorado Springs, then there's a, a meetup group that has local events. And um, there's a web page that's got a whole bunch of resources and information. And there's a, a, a retreat that's coming up in Colorado. And the closing date for registration is in just a few days. It's the Love, Sexuality, and Awakening Retreat. It's a women's only retreat. And uh, and there's a plan to have another one of those retreats in Charlottesville, Virginia, next June, June 2015. And that also is incredible for women together to have this opportunity to drop in and open up these topics which have never been allowed as retreat topics to explore in a safe space.
So, and um, that's all I can think of. I'm sure there's other things. There's other things, but that's all I can remember right now. <laughs>